Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer right here on AM 1380 WNRI. Joining me today in studio is Dave Ackman. Uh, and today we'll have uh, a couple guests on the show. Later on we'll hope to be joined by James Riley as well as uh, Jim's, Jim Dow from uh, RevsNet.com. Last night, the Revolution taking on uh, Real Salt Lake. Salt Lake winless going into the match. Uh, they did, however, have five draws in their first eight, eight games. Uh, came away with yet another draw. They came into the match. Uh, seemingly content to just play defense, uh, and they succeeded in doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think they tried to attack, it looked like, for the first uh, half hour, but then after that they settled back into a more defensive shell and were just looking towards the uh, 0-0 draw, and especially after the red card, they really put up a big wall. Uh, and the, the Revs certainly uh, had their chances in the match. They had 14 shots on target. Uh, Taylor Twelman alone had seven shots. Uh, everybody on the team was getting involved in the offense. Uh, only three of the starters didn't put uh, shots on frame. Uh, that was to be Matt Reese, James Riley, Michael Parkhurst, who uh, rarely ventures forward. Uh, defensively, really, they rarely tested. Uh, few times they were. Freddie Adu was uh, pretty lively for Salt Lake. Looked uh, one of the main catalysts for their offense. Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably the, been the best I've seen him look uh, since I can remember him in the league. He was really shifty. He showed pace and power down the wing. Uh, he was all over the place, but as you said, the Revs really had a ton of chances down both wings. They even had a couple of nice balls in the middle that they played well. The set pieces weren't exactly great, but they even had some chances off of those too. And last week we talked about Kano Smith not having the best of games. Uh, I, I thought he played uh, much better this weekend, uh, getting down the wing and being his man and getting in some good crosses. Yeah, definitely. I think a couple of them could have been a little better if they were uh, to the head rather than to the feet. But, I mean, he really beat his man consistently. And it's, and it's really confusing him now when he starts cutting inside. It seems like everyone's playing him for the kick and run to the corner flag. And now when he cuts it in, they really start getting confused. Uh, the goalkeeper for Salt Lake, Nick Romano, uh, it's kind of, kind of an up-and-down year. Uh, lots of calls for him to be benched for uh, Chris Setz, the, the younger rookie that they have. Uh, and also talk about possibly Casey Keller signing on for um, Real Salt Lake to possibly be their starter and their designated player. A uh, great goalkeeper for the U.S. national team. But last night came up with 13 saves. Uh, a great performance for him, even on crosses where in the past we've seen him be shaky. He came out there uh, and for the most part did very well in collecting crosses. Yeah, no, he really was uh, all over the place, especially on the low crosses he was diving all around. Uh, he was a little sloppy, though. I mean, he had the one where it went right through his hands and bounced over. You had another one where he just sort of flailed around and it hit him on a low shot. So, I mean, he wasn't exactly solid, but he did everything he needed to keep the ball out. Uh, and the Revs certainly, uh, as we mentioned, had their chances, but... Uh, there were also chances that they should have done a lot better with. We saw uh, Chrisman and Twelman both had chances that you know they sent wide of the net, kind of trickling across the goal line rather than putting on a frame uh, from pretty close distance. 
So they certainly could have done better with the chances they had. Oh, definitely. It looked like a couple times where they were just maybe a half a step off of each other, too. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that'll come better with experience, but they had a lot of chances where the crosses just went right behind them or right in front of the guy, or one guy was looking for a cross and the other guy was waiting for the rebound. So, I mean, it's going to be something that's going to take some time for them to all get used to each other. And the other thing, we're going to talk about uh, the chances they have with corner kicks. Uh, 11 corner kicks. This is a team that has some very good targets in the box. Shari Joseph, obviously a big target. Taylor Twelman, not the tallest guy, but certainly uh, has shown he can do well in these corners. Uh, you'd hope they do a little bit better with these 11 corners. Really, um, uh, until the very last corner of the game, which Jay Heaps headed on frame, uh, and Andy Williams managed to clear off the line, they didn't do too much with these set-piece chances. No, definitely. I mean, and I don't know how much of that is service. It seems like a lot of the times people are having to run off the back post and get a weak header in, or they're just not exactly where the strikers would want them to be. So I'm not sure if it's totally the crosser's fault or if it's just an overmatching inside due to height, but they're just not really getting the, the kind of chances you'd expect from those corners. And we talked about last week the team being uh, frustrated that to come away with the 4-3 loss against Kansas City. Uh, they certainly were hoping to get uh, a good win this this week to rebound from that, and they weren't happy with the tie. Uh, I talked to Steve Nickel last night about uh, the result, and we have his comments. He he obviously wanted the full three points from a winless Real Salt Lake team. You can't be very happy with a tie. You should have had about four or five goals, I would assume. Um, yeah, we're not happy with a tie. We just we couldn't buy a goal tonight. I guess that's about it. I mean. Give them credit. They got people behind the ball. They got bodies in front of the shots. You know, they got Andy Williams' heads one off the line. It's just one of those, one of those nights. You know, you know, maybe, maybe in the final third we could have, maybe played a, a better pass or a better cross. But it's difficult when there's so many, there's so many bodies in the box. So you know, we couldn't buy a goal tonight. Obviously, we would completely dominate the game. I guess you got to give them credit for defending well. They came here for a point. Uh, that's what they got. You know, positives are that, you know, we kept it tight at the back. We never gave them a chance at all. So that's a positive. But when everybody's very frustrated in there. It's, it kind of feels like a loss. Uh, the dressing room's pretty quiet. But it happens, you know. As I said, we couldn't buy a goal. You mentioned tough defense. Uh, did you encounter more stalwart resistance against a team with zero wins? I couldn't tell you this moment in time. All I can say is they defended well. Steve, 10 games into the season now, are you? how close are you to the team that you want? to be at this point? I think we can we can get better. You know, the field didn't help us move the ball quickly tonight. That played a part. But again, we still dominated the game. So, but no, we, we can get better. But I think we can uh, we can certainly make some additions. Uh, we're trying to. That will make us better. Can you talk about the debut of Brian? Yeah, he can he come on in. We, we wanted him to, to try and get some balls in the box and go to the defender. And, uh, you know, to a point, he did that. Again, that was head coach Steve Nickel and his thoughts on the game. Uh, interesting note that he did talk about uh, when asked if he was happy with the Reds' results so far that he was looking to make some additions. So I know lots of Rev fans have been asking about, you know, is this team going to bring somebody in? Uh, they do have somebody on trial right now from uh, Moldova, I believe, and not much to be found on him. But uh, it should be interesting to see if the Revs do in this, uh, these upcoming weeks uh, actually bring somebody in. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw already last night they're bringing in a guy like Brian Byrne after just signing him uh so you can't really be sure what they're going to do they're always a little shifty at the uh, trade deadline and all those kind of things so uh but i think you see they bring in a lot of young guys so i mean if they don't make their move it's going to be time for them to step up 
And it'll be interesting to see in these next couple of weeks when uh, Taylor Twelman, Steve Ross, and Michael Parker are gone, you know, how exactly this depth that the Revs do have does step up. And maybe that might force the issue for the team as far as making additions. Yeah, definitely. I think you'll see with this next couple of months whether or not they'll uh, need to make a move. If you Brian, Brian Byrne and Wells Thompson don't really pick it up in the midfield, you might need to add another midfielder. Or if Chrisman and Noonan just can't gel, you might need to add another forward. It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think that might be another uh, wearing spot, the two forwards, where uh, Chrisman's been playing very well and working off Twelman. However, he o- does only have one goal. Uh, Pat Noonan does not have a goal yet this season. Uh, these are two players that you're asking to step up and fill a role for Taylor Twelman, where he's been the uh, top scorer in the league up until this point, where Andy Johnson has overtaken him. But seven goals, uh, can these two players step up and fill that void? I mean, they're both different players than Tolman is. I mean, he's definitely just a goal scorer, and these guys seem more content to try to set him up and play off the ball and do all the little things. So it's going to be interesting to see which one of these guys says, hey, I'm going to just go for the goal and take all the shots, and one of them has to choose to do that. And speaking of Twalman, talked to him last night. He felt the Revs were unlucky on some of their chances that they uh, deserved to win the game. And he was also very upset with kind of how Real Salt Lake came and played the match. He he felt that they came going for the draw and didn't come to play. Yeah, I mean, we had chances. I mean, I don't know. We had a lot of quality chances. I mean, I had one. Nicky made a good save. And uh, it was just they, they got what they came here for. That was a tie. They didn't come here to play, so. It was more obvious in the second half, but they really. No, they started the second half with 11 guys in their own half. Huh. No. Yeah. You know, they can argue that. They came for a tie, they got it. Is there anything else you can do? I mean, you guys probably look like you tried everything. Tried to go it's it's just one of those games, you know? Yeah. You know, Jay has a great head ball. Andy Williams is standing on the goal line and heads it out 30 yards. It's not like he heads it up for a rebound, so. It's one of those games. We'll move on. Get the next one. Have you seen a lot of bunkered in defenses this year, more than last year no. at all? No, it's been, it's I mean, sporadic. we can look by our scores. Scores have been fun games to watch. Tonight was just a. Uh, Someone take a try to get lucky. Nick Romano had a great game. Hey, man, great. Couple good saves. Start fa- final pass, final shot. Just one there tonight. Fairly happy or decent? Uh, yeah, I mean. Actually, in fairness, you know, I think the two losses are killing us. I, th- I think those are could easily be the minimum two ties. But yeah, I mean, you gotta be happy. At the end, of, it just matters what you do at the end of the year. To be honest, you think you still have it even though you nothing happened tonight? Yeah, we're fine. I'm not worried about it. We're fine. I mean, is it better than last year? I mean, last year you had some kind of a good yeah, run at the start, and you know, no big scoring games. Yeah, but we were dealing with a lot of issues last year, and uh, this year we're fine. You know, it will come. You know, nine out of ten times Jay's head ball goes in, and my shot, the rebound goes to someone sitting right there. I mean, we had four guys on the back post. You know what I mean? And the safe somehow doesn't. Just one of those days. How was it adjusting to the new turf, too? Well, it's all right. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal. It's yeah. still grass. Yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, still, I mean grass is better than turf. Did it seem to play a little bit better than last year? No, it's just, it, it's so, it's too dry. Yeah. Ball gets stuck in and everything, so the field just can't speed up. Again, that was Taylor Twelman, his thoughts on the match. Uh, we talked about last week the turf, the new uh, real turf being placed on top of the artificial turf. Uh, Ireland wasn't happy about it last week. The, the Revs weren't happy about it last week. They weren't happy about it again this week. 
Yeah, I mean, it's always tough, especially when you've only gotten used to the artificial turf all off-season to all of a sudden have to go and have a whole new playing surface. It makes it difficult for you, and especially where their game is built more on speed and timing rather than, you know, power and other aspects like that. It really changes the whole philosophy for them. Kind of surprisingly, I did talk to Steve Nichol on Friday about the turf. He said that the team had only practiced once this week on that new uh, turf there, so... A little surprising that they didn't get more practice on it before this match. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they were hoping to get it as much water as it could to speed it up. But, I mean, if you're only going to get one day on it, it's not really much of an advantage. The other thing is adjustments there. There were a few times where the ball... You know, stopped before going over the end line. Maybe they thought it was going to go over the end line. Uh, the Revs didn't run to keep it in. Offensively, they might have had a few more chances. I believe there was. I remember one time in particular where uh, the ball rolled across down to the Connell Smith, the left side of the field. Uh, he certainly would have been the one to get to the ball had he continued his run, but he stopped, and the ball actually stayed in play and didn't go out and was easily cleared by Salt Lake. Uh, they need to learn to do better with to to use the turf better and use the surface better and make it to their advantage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see a couple of times where, I mean, even the fans all just assumed that it was going to go out and it just held in. It's going to be an adjustment for everyone, especially the uh, the wingers, because, you know, those balls that look like they're going to go out of play, they slow up, and maybe while it does trickle out of play, I mean, you could still get to it and make a move or something while they're waiting for the ball to roll out. And uh, defender Jay Heaps uh, was involved in the offense a lot last night. Actually had four shots, three on goal, uh, moved up a lot. And it, actually, in the first half, it was interesting to see the Revs interchanging a lot in positions where you see Riley over, where you see heaps overlapping for uh, Steve Rawson. Uh, you saw Rawson moving to the middle and Dorman out to the side at times. You saw Shari Joseph moving in front of Laurentowitz and Dorman at times. Uh, it was interesting to see the Revs uh, use other players and interchange like that. Yeah, and I think it was more a product of the uh, way Real was playing. I mean, when you have everyone just sort of hanging back playing defense, you can take more chances. You can have more guys moving up, moving back. And you don't have to worry so much. I mean, all you have to worry about is the counterattack. And as long as you have guys like Parkhurst that are anchored back there, it's going to be at least a one-on-one where, I mean, you trust Reese to make one-on-one saves like that. And speaking of heaps, he did a good job getting forward, uh, getting off some crosses for the Revs. Uh, he was also not happy with the turf. Uh, and he felt that the Revs uh, just were lacking that final pass. And we do have Jay Heaps' comments that we can play now. Obviously, uh, defensively, we, we we did things right. We we very limited their attack, and uh, whenever they were about to break, we were in good positions. Um, so when you do that, we're, we played a lot in their end. But the problem is sometimes we're you know we seemed like we had a lot of time on the ball, but we couldn't you know find that that last ball. And I think that's the one thing we didn't do is find the last ball. And you know I put a couple in, Raleigh put a couple in, and there were balls that just were, were right through the box. But uh, you know, give them credit. They defend well. And, um, you know, sometimes the game, you know, scoring a goal is, is not as easy as, as we've made it look the last couple uh, couple months. But in the night, we just couldn't, couldn't really get a clear-cut opportunity. You know, there wasn't really one that stood out to me that was clear-cut. Were you guys having trouble connecting on the crosses across the box? I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's all about, uh, you know, the timing and the, and the runs. And Ford's making great runs. I think, uh, you know, I think that... It was sometimes the balls weren't great, but you know the surface doesn't help either. The ball just kind of dies across or gets cut out a little sooner. On a slicker surface, those balls get through, um, and it's a little bit easier to judge. I think uh, a couple times uh, in the first half, I think Adam slipped once or twice, but you know it's nothing he can do about that. He's he's trying to get into a position, and uh, uh, the turf gives way. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you having trouble with the different field surfs? Um, well, not trouble, but it's just it's a different type of game. You know, I don't know if it's it just slows it down a little bit, and you rarely see the ball run out of bounds. Everything kind of stays in, and uh, this is the way it goes. I mean, uh, you know, I think that you know it's something we have to deal with because we're going to be on it for the next couple games.
Was it any better this week than it was last week? It wasn't any better, but we just were a little bit better at adapting to it. We had a little bit more time. Uh, you know, we played last week on it and uh, had an opportunity to kind of understand it a little bit. I mean, it just it just dies. You know, when the ball comes, you just have to be prepared that it's not going to go above your waist ever. <laughs> I thought tonight was a, a a good game, but it wasn't. You know, our our best team attack. We did well individually, but we didn't have the full team attack where you know balls are going through and, and guys are running through. It seemed like on a couple of chances, the you know, forwards would just step off. Is it a little bit unlucky, yeah. Yeah, it's it's they weren't a step off. I just think the you know, again, it was just a little bit you know, little just timing and, and everything. It's such a timing game, and yeah. you know, you have to be able to beat your defender, and they beat their defenders. The ball sometimes wasn't there, and it's just a timing issue. And you know, I'd say, like I said, give them credit. I mean, um, I had a header off the line. Uh, he cleared it off the line, and uh, I think that was probably the the one time where the, the goalie didn't have to make the save, where a defender had to make the save. Is that the last? The header in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that was a Revolution defender Jay Heaps and his thoughts on uh, last night's match and the 0-0 draw with Real Salt Lake. Uh, he did probably have the best chance of the match there at the end there. Uh, he was convinced that shot was going in. Uh, Andy Williams, of all people, was back there on the post to clear it off the line and not just clear it off the line, but clear it about 30 yards out so there was no chance of a rebound. Yeah, I mean, it was a great play by Andy Williams. Uh, Heaps was in perfect position, powerful header right on target. I mean, when the guy, that's why you put guys on the posters for that exact situation. And talking about uh, the match, Pat Noonan, uh, we talked about him earlier having to step up when uh, Twelman leaves. Uh, he came in as a sub in this match. He had started the last match, uh, kind of interchanged with Chrisman here, who starts you don't know from week to week. Uh, I thought he looked a little bit better this match than he did the last match coming out as a sub, uh, a little more uh, composed in front of goal, but still he had some chances where he could have shot and opted to pass. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what he's been doing ever since I can remember. He loves just getting the guys and setting them up. So, I mean, hopefully Chrisman is ready to uh, start receiving uh, those passes because that's what it's going to be. I mean, I don't think you're going to see Noonan change his whole offensive philosophy that quickly. And we did talk to Pat Noonan, Pat, last night. Uh, he was not happy at, at all with the result, and uh, he believes that the, the past two games, the Revs certainly could have gotten more out of. Well, obviously, the last couple of games not where we want to be because uh, we had a nice stretch of about six games where we were winning, but you know we weren't necessarily playing our best soccer. There's obviously better soccer to be played, but uh, uh, I guess the good thing is we're getting results, but uh, I don't, the last two games we haven't, so now we need to figure something out and, and turn things around. You worried about all these losses are coming at a bad time because we're going to lose some guys? No. We got, you know, obviously, we're going to miss some guys, but we got a lot of depth on this team, so guys are going to be able to step in But you know, as they happen, but... Uh, we're not worried about the timing or who we're losing or, or who we're playing. It's, you know, we need to worry about ourselves, and if we do that, we're usually okay. Again, that was Revolution forward Pat Noonan, his thoughts on the match. Uh, he did mention that, the, talking about the Revs losing people, that they weren't too worried about uh, who was stepping in, that they felt that they could can still compete without uh, those key guys and Taylor Schwalman, Steve Ralston, and Michael Parkhurst. Uh, one of the guys that could benefit from that is uh, the guy who saw his debut, Brian Byrne, uh, from Ireland. What did you think of his debut? I thought he showed a lot of great flashes. Uh, he was really quick, really powerful, and had a couple nice crosses. I think uh, you stick him out on the wing, and he's going to be maybe the right-footed uh, version of Kano Smith over there. And I think that's exactly what you want in this kind of an offense. And Nickel did seem to be happy with his uh, debut performance. Uh, said he did what he wanted him to do as 
you heard earlier in the show, and we do have comments from from Brian Byrne and what he thought of his debut. He was very happy and excited to get out there in front of the the large crowd there last night. Pretty good crowd actually for the Revs for sixteen thousand eight hundred and sixty four fans, I believe it was. Uh, great great night for for the fans to come out there. Unfortunately, the Revs could not get the win. Yeah, actually, it seemed like the crowd was almost stunned at the end. Uh, no one had really gotten out of their seat. It was a great atmosphere. Chance coming from all over. It was a great night. And uh, we'll play Brian Burns' comments on his debut now. What's the feeling after a game like this where you guys just you, you dominate? Mm-hmm. Does it feel like a loss? Uh, yeah, it kind of does, especially at home. Um, and especially since I went down to 10 men. Um, you can see the last 10, 15 minutes, we were pretty much all over them. They, they didn't have anything coming forward. I didn't had any shots in the last 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's a bit disappointing, but, you know, a point is a point, so we'll, we'll take it. Fair enough. I appreciate it. Right, Are you excited to get your debut today? Yeah, definitely excited to get it. It's been a while in coming, and... Uh, um, knowing that the coaches uh, have enough faith in me to put me in, it's, uh, it's a big morale booster, and it was good for me to go in. When I went in, I was just happy to take the opportunity. Do you think you'll be seeing more time uh, when the players go away with the gold cup? Um, you know, I mean, I hope so. Um, I'll just work hard and practice every day, and as I said, if the coaches decide that they want to put me in, well, I'll be happy to take the chance and maybe just take, stake a, a claim for a place in the team. Salt Lake seemed to be playing uh, towards the end of the game. Everybody behind the ball. They yeah. had a team playing like that. Really hard, really hard. And especially when they went down to 10 men, that's when they just, like, pack it in, you know. Just play for the point, especially when they're away from home. So it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating, uh, but we attacked as much as we could, and unfortunately we just couldn't yeah. get the goal. Again, that was uh, Revolution rookie midfielder Brian Byrne uh, and his thoughts on his debut performance. Uh, it was nice to see him get out there. He heard some good things about him coming to the area. It was actually talked that the Los Angeles Galaxy had wanted him uh, to be their right wing before they ended up with David Beckham. So uh, high praise for him. No, definitely. I mean, you consider that the only reason they weren't ready to pick him up was because they knew they were getting Beckham. That's some pretty good praise for a guy. And we are going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back and talk about uh, where the Revs are currently in the standings and some of the other results from last night. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joined still in studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, Talk about... Uh, where the Revs are currently in the standings, second place in the East and overall table. Uh, Kansas City is ahead of them with 19 points. Also have a game in hand, though. Uh, Red Bulls just behind with one point less than 17 points uh, with a game in hand as well. Uh, and then overall league standings you see in the West with FC Dallas, uh, Colorado, Chivas, 
and then D's back to D.C. in the East in Chicago. Uh, talk about the results that got him there. Uh, Toronto FC, the first game of the night yesterday, came away with a 2-1 victory over the Colorado Rapids uh, at home. Toronto has been a team that started off struggling a lot. Uh, Mo Johnson, their head coach, made a few changes here, uh, brought in uh, a couple new players, and they've really transformed since then and been a different team, picking up several points. And now they look like they might be, uh, if they keep this up, could head into the playoffs. Definitely. I mean, they have a great amass they had amassed a great amount of talent on that team and you throw in a couple new pickups uh they get uh cunningham from real salt lake and that's a great pickup right there so i mean they really are poised to go forward from here and colorado were a team that uh had a pretty good start to the season and they're currently second in the west so uh certainly no easy task to beat a team like that no not at all uh isn't especially with uh, colorado getting some great gold ending recently uh from their new rookie uh, they've really been in good shape, so, I mean, to get a win over a team like that, I mean, granted it was at home, but that's a great win for an Eastern Conference team. And then the other uh, Eastern Conference clash that night was uh, the New York Red Bulls against the Kansas City Wizards. Uh, New York uh, scored the first goal there with uh, Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, yet another goal, his fourth goal of the season, uh, and then followed that up. Uh, with a red card to Clint Mathis, lots of controversy on that one. Uh, most people feel that Clint Mathis has had two red cards this year. Neither have really been deserved. Uh, so a little unfortunate there. Maybe his reputation uh, has been responsible for that. But following the red card, Eddie Johnson, uh, yet another hat trick. He had the hat trick against the Revs last week in his first hat trick ever. Uh, now he's set a record by being the first MLS player ever to get back-to-back hat tricks. Uh, with the win, that's why Kansas City is now in front of the Revs. Yeah, great form for Eddie Johnson. Uh, again, Clint Mathis was a little, I think he was a little unlucky on that call. But, I mean, as you say, you got a, a reputation as a bad boy, and the refs are a little bit strong, or harder on you, and that's that's never fair. But it's the truth. I mean, you look at a guy like Laurentowitz picking up four yellow cards already. I mean, it's a very similar situation. So, I mean, you got to give all the credit to uh, KC for coming back, though. And then the late that match that night, D.C. United, who's currently sitting uh, in fourth place in the East with 11 points, uh, traveling to Los Angeles. Los Angeles here, uh, so so many injuries that they only managed to have a bench of four players, uh, only three failed players available off the bench. Uh, obviously, lots of key players missing for them. Uh, Landon Donovan's still there, however. Uh, and the D.C. came in here, obviously I would think they would hope for a win against this side because uh, Los Angeles is a team that has been struggling as it is, uh, currently in fifth place in the Western Conference with only six points. Uh, but the, the uh, Los Angeles Galaxy were actually the better team in the match. Uh, the, the stats don't show with D.C. United having 17 shots to the Galaxy's nine. D.C. really didn't have any clear-cut chances. Los Angeles had several that they should have put away. Better finishing from Landon Donovan. Uh, could have seen them win this match. Uh, so kind of d- disappointment from, for D.C. there, who had actually been playing better recently. I think, yeah, as you said, it's probably going to be a little bit of a bit of a disappointment from both teams because, you know, you have L.A., you get a depleted squad, you play a good game, you hope that's maybe a game where you pick up three points when you're going to be struggling for a little bit. And when you're D.C., you're going in, you see a totally injured, depleted team, you want to pick up those three points too. And, I mean, I think both teams will be mad. I mean, you've got Cannon, though, so it's always going to be tough to score against L.A. And with the recent news that D.C. United is going to be playing in the Copa Sudamericana, uh, We've seen that they performed well in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, uh, finishing in third place on goal differential over Houston. But this year in MLS, they've been a very inconsistent team. They started off poorly, uh, playing a little better than last night. They uh, were really not another great perform, a pretty uh, poor performance from them, actually. So is this the team that you want to be representing MLS in this prestigious South American tournament? I mean, uh, they've shown that they can play well out of the country. Maybe they're just... Uh saving themselves for that tournament. I'm not sure what's exactly happening in their locker room. They've been struggling definitely domestically, but they showed in that 
tournament that they could hang with the Mexican team. So maybe it's a little bit of a change in style. They have a lot of foreign-based players that maybe aren't used to the rough physical U.S. game, so maybe they will be better suited for the uh, external matches. And uh, today there was an earlier match, uh, FC Dallas against Houston Dynamo in Houston. Uh, Dallas had the early goal and seemed to be you know, doing well in that game. Then Houston came back, scored two uh, in the second half, took the lead. Pat Onstad actually was ejected in the 78th minute. So here's, Dynam- here's Dallas with a good chance to come back without uh, Onstad in there. Fortunately, Houston had not used up all their subs, were able to bring in Zach Wells uh, and actually hold on for the win there. Yeah, I mean, it's a big win for Houston. Uh, that's always a big rivalry match for them, and especially with them tolling down a couple points behind everyone, although they have a couple games in hand. To pick up those three points is always a big uh, big win for them. It's also nice for the Revs if you're looking at the overall table here. A win for Dallas would have made them leapfrog the Revs and uh, put the Revs behind in third in the overall table. So a uh, good result for Revs fans. Yeah, definitely. You can't complain about that. And there's actually another match going on as we speak uh, in Chicago at Toyota Park against Columbus Crew. Uh, Chicago can't catch up to the Revs with a win tonight, uh, but they've been a team that's been struggling. Uh, as well as Columbus, who they're playing, has also been struggling at the bottom of the East right now. Uh, Chicago, we'll keep you updated on this match throughout the match. Chicago currently is leading on a Jeff Curtin goal uh, in the 25th minute uh, as they look to recover from what's been a poor stretch after a pretty good start to the season for them. Yeah, you can see they're starting to make a bunch of changes, trying to get something going. They're bringing Kaelin Carr as a starter today. So, I mean, they're a team that's always dangerous when they get hot, and maybe this is about a stretch where they can maybe start picking it up. Uh, again, looking at the table, uh, where the playoffs would start today, uh, some of the teams that would be out of the picture uh, would actually be the Columbus Crew, as not too surprisingly based on past results. Uh, Salt Lake, obviously the bottom of the West. Los Angeles, bottom of the West, also be out. Houston Dynamo, the champions, uh, even with the win today, are still on the outside looking in for the playoff pitcher. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. you get got teams like uh, Houston and L.A. on the outside, and we'll see if Beckham can maybe resurrect the uh, L.A. Galaxy ship there. But, I mean, you look at Houston, they lose a couple guys. They lose guys like Sirio. They, you know, when you win a championship, everything sort of changes. Your players aren't maybe as pumped up. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a let-off. And Houston will be losing uh, more players come time for the Gold Cup with Brian Ching. Although he, he himself has not been scoring lately. Uh, their offense has been doing pretty poorly until tonight. Uh, only five goals all season in eight games. Tonight they had two. Uh, s- still, though, that, that's averaging less than a goal per game from a Houston Dynamo squad that were the champions last season and uh, had a very strong offense last season, Dalglish has done nothing this season, really, after a strong performance in the second half of last year. Ching played great last season and really done nothing this season. So a little surprising to see their offense struggling so much, especially when they have a guy like Dwayne DeRosario in the midfield. And he's yet another guy they'll be losing for the Gold Cup. So uh, who will score these goals for them when when these players are gone? I don't know who's going to score them, but, I mean, you have guys like uh, Dave, uh, Brian Mullen with his getting his first assist today, and it's a little bit... Uh it's a little bit shocking. Uh, you got to expect that with all that talent, they got to eventually start scoring, but then they're going to lose Ching, they're going to lose De Rosario, so it's going to be a tough go. And now over the phone, we're joined by Jim Dow from RevsNet. Jim, can you hear me? I sure can. Thanks for joining us today. That's a pleasure. Uh, we were just discussing the table here and looking down the teams. Uh, really, it doesn't look like any team's out of the playoff pitch right now. Even Salt Lake with six points uh, is still pretty close in the standings. Well, that's true. Uh, one thing people seem to be ignoring is is we're uh, three points or one game ahead of everybody. You know, we've played ten, and I think most of our competitors have played nine. So, uh, you know, given the current uh, situation with the team, that we've had three 
games in a row. One we were lucky to win, one we were unlucky to draw, and one, you know, who knows the game last week, how to call it. But but the fact is that, uh, you know, we're, I wouldn't say necessarily struggling, but the team is in some kind of kind of arrested state right now. And the other teams, the two teams that we're competing with, uh, New York and Kansas City, are both on a roll. I mean, Eddie Johnson has got, what, six goals in two games now? My God. <laughs> and you're talking about last night's performance. Uh, the, the Revs had their chances, but really were missing. A, uh, didn't have that many clear-cut opportunities. Uh, Taylor Twan was talking about actual chances that they had, that good chances to score. Uh, there weren't that many. I think you have to look at this uh, in a slightly different way than, than, than a lot of people are, and that is that... Uh, the marking in the league has improved to the point where um, unless you have a clear advantage either in speed or positioning, uh, offensive players are constantly being harassed. Um, you know, everybody, I watch the games from the Ford, and, and in the second half, watching the Revolution attack and attack and attack, and really, I, I thought attack in many ways very, very effectively. Whenever anybody was in a position to almost shoot, they were being pushed, hacked, you know, pulled, just off balance and that's not you know i'm not saying that in an accusatory way towards salt lake at all they did a really really good job the fact is that unless you can get a little opening a little space in this league now you can't get a clean shot and um that wasn't always so so again then the question of well how are they going to get that opening uh i think that's one of the reasons for example that that uh nickel is staying with smith for so long uh i think that's one of the reasons that we may see uh a couple of the younger players move in uh right now the only way the revolution have to break open besides the exquisite skill of steve ralston uh is speed is to break away and so i think that uh unless they bring in a player who's got that ability to freeze other players and make space for other players um they're going to have to deal with they're going to have to try to play as much of their speed as they can such as it is well, with the substitution pattern from Steve Nichol, we saw Brian Byrne come in late in the game. Uh, he's a player that looked pretty pacey coming in. Uh, however, with that move, they had brought out Connell Smith and ended up moving Wells Thompson uh, to the left side. He didn't seem to be too comfortable there, and he didn't seem too comfortable in the first game of the season where he actually started on the left. Uh, were you at all surprised by Steve Nichols' decision to kind of play Wells out of position on the left side? Well, obviously playing Wells out of position means that uh, Byrne can't play on the, on the left at all. You know, otherwise, why uh, why mess up a good thing and, and you know keep Wells over on the other side? Um, I think they really have to, to uh, you know, in this two week period that they have uh, off, essentially, I think they really have to take a long look at themselves and decide whether they're going to shake up the lineup and and play what I think uh, is the best offensive lineup. Steve Ralston with the players that they have now. Steve Ralston playing attacking midfielder. Uh, and then work out around that, or whether they're going to bring, try to bring somebody else in, uh, you know, bring in another player. Because as it is now, they have a very, very, very solid core team. But what they've lost in Dempsey, and I don't know if you saw the um, national team game at all, but uh, it was clear as a bell. What they've lost in Dempsey, they haven't picked up. In, uh, they haven't been able to replace, and that is that that complete unpredictability. Uh, I think there's there's a chance uh, that Wells Thompson may be that player, but uh, I think that he's uh, you know he's at least uh, half a season away from it at this point in terms of his development. Um, you know I think uh, 
there's a chance that by moving Ralston to the middle, if they did do that, they might be able to buy some more space for their other players. But I think they really have to take a look at themselves in the mirror at this point. And and let me add, I think management has to do that, too. Um, you know, I don't blame Steve Nichol, uh, Paul Mariner uh, at all. Um, the question is player procurement. Well, they do have some young players that have shown well for the reserves that haven't really seen a first-team chance. Obviously, uh, they may not be ready, but a guy like Arsenoka, who scored two goals for the reserves in their last match and also got some time uh, in the first game of the season against Chicago as a sub, uh, is a pacey guy that they didn't have on the bench even last night. Uh, it seems like a guy like Marshall Leonard, judging by the substitution pattern where they'd even move Wells Thompson to left midfield uh, before bringing on Marshall Leonard, uh, maybe it would make more sense to have a guy like Arsenoka, someone who can kind of change up the offense uh, by putting on someone who's very speedy, maybe faster than any of the Revs forwards that they had out there. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I think this is the best and the deepest group of players that the Revolution have ever had. But I don't think at this point it's the most varied group of players. And and also, there is a huge difference between the Reserve League and the Senior League. And, and it takes a player, uh, you know, perhaps many, many games to, to adjust to it. Um, I did an interview uh, with Gwyn Williams uh, last week uh, where, where he said, I thought, you know, sort of gave one of the most receptive analyses I, analyses I've ever heard of the way of stepping up in soccer. He said, when you move up in soccer, the ball moves faster, and therefore you have to think faster, and many, many players can't do that. They're fast on their feet, they're whatever, but their brains don't work fast enough. And it's interesting watching watching our team because it's very clear the players like Ralston and Parkhurst and Shalry Joseph and so forth who have real brains for soccer, uh, really highly developed brains where they can anticipate things, and players who can't. And that's not to say that the players at this point who can't uh, won't be able to develop, but that's a really tough thing to develop. And then you have to, to take into account the physical part. Look at uh, Adam Chrisman. I mean, he, he's potentially a terrific player, but count the number of times he falls down. So it's got to be something to do with, uh, you know, playing beyond his his means, you know, stretching beyond his means, and and not being able to adjust quite yet to the physical game, even though he obviously is a good physical player. You know, it's a big adjustment, and, and I'm not sure that uh, it's necessarily wise planning for a team that also whose core is growing older to uh, not have a couple of uh, transition players, you know, not to have gone out and gotten, say, one player who could step in and, and really, really help and be different from the players that they've got. Well, in talking about that especially, uh, these upcoming weeks, uh, they do have the two weeks off, but then they'll be missing these uh, three key players in Twelman, Ralston, and Parkhurst right. uh, that they're going to have to replace uh, from within the organization unless they do bring in somebody in these next two weeks. Well, I don't think, uh, you know, at, at, at this point we don't know who's going to Copa America. Um, you know, the Gold Cup is uh, the quarterfinals are uh, the day of the uh, of the first game. Um, so presumably the, those players might only be missing for another week. Um, on the other hand, we don't know who they're going to then take to um, to Venezuela. So uh, so at that point, the, the question is still out. My my concern is that um, you know if you look at uh, the way Angel has played, if you look at the way uh, Barros Ishiloto has played, um, and then anticipate perhaps a similar bump from Blanco Beckham, who knows? 
but um, you know Marinelli in Kansas City. There are significant good players, some big names and some not big names, who've come in and added that little extra of unpredictability to the teams that they play with. Uh, the Revolution have not added any unpredictability, and they lost a significant aspect of that. So. Not to say that they can't develop that. Oka may have it, uh, Thompson may have it, etc. But that's what they're really missing at this point. Otherwise, I think they're the, as solid as any team in the league. Well, is there any player out there that you uh, see that maybe could be the answer to the Revs' problems here that uh, maybe would be a realistic target for them? You know, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, I think the players that they've talked about, people like Robbie Fowler and, um, you know, Luis Figo and so forth, I don't think they're really the answer. I think what this, what would be much better for this team would be uh, a kind of player like a Marinelli, who may be this year's Christian Gomez. You know, a player who comes out of a, a background in, in, in uh, you know, Marinelli's case, uh, Argentina, comes out of a background of playing with a really, really, really uh, top developmental level of, of player and who's still in you know 25 26 hungry um, you know and wants to make their mark i think those are the kind of players they need to go after and of course those are the players that to some degree require scouting although i think that the team gets a bad rap for quote not scouting you know agents are paid enormous amounts of money to represent their players and agents put players forward to teams all over the world uh, you know uh, 364 days a year maybe they don't don't do it on christmas but every other day they're doing it and so i'm sure that the you know down in the bunker somewhere under under uh, Gillette Stadium, there is resume after resume after resume of players, many of whom we probably have heard of. Um, you know, I think they're, they they know who's out there. The question is, will this spring for it, and will the player come here? Well, it was interesting to hear Nickel last night actually talk about uh, wanting to bring in these additions. Uh, whether he does or not, it remains to be seen. But uh, certainly, there is that within the organization, at least from Steve Nickel, that they do want to bring somebody in. Oh, I think Nickel and Mariner and, and, and Williams and so forth, and, and probably, uh, you know, right up through Mike Burns and, and I don't know what Brian Biello thinks, but certainly up through the soccer people in the in the organization. I think they'd all be happy to bring a player in, and, and you know, I don't think they necessarily are thinking of a player in terms of bums in the seats. I think they're thinking of a player in terms of who's going to give something to the starting eleven. Because again, this is a very good team. It just needs it needs that extra thing that Dempsey gave them. Um, and uh, you know, in this league, as it's developing now, with the close marking that you're getting, uh, you know, there aren't very many uh, of those sort of dulcetory walking up and down the field games. Of course, we haven't got to the hot weather yet, but still, the league is a, the league is is greatly improved. And in order to break those defenses, to break down those defenses, uh, you have to have uh, somebody who's going to pull surprises. Doesn't have to be flashy, but just has to be able to do it. Um, and right now, um, you know, they don't have the the, the range of, of weapons that they, they had when Dempsey stepped on the field. They have very, very good players, and some of these young players may develop to replace Dempsey. But right now, at this point in the season, 10 games in, looking at 20 games to go, with other players coming in for, in some cases, uh, their principal rivals, like Chicago, um, you know, they've got to think about what they're going to do. I don't know what the, quote, ownership, you know, I don't know what their understanding or their commitment is. Um, it was interesting with the crowd last night because that was a very good crowd, and it was also a very noisy crowd. Uh, and, of course, many people were saying, well, that was uh, the Beckham four-pack. 
uh, you know, those were Beckhamites. If if that's what's going to show up for Beckham, you know, we're in pretty good shape in terms of crowd enthusiasm. So, you know, maybe there needs to be a little commitment on the part of ownership to uh, to push that forward. It was also a little unfortunate they couldn't have pulled out the win and made it a little more exciting for those fans. Well, it was. I disagree with a lot of people. It was a very good game. It was one of those games that soccer fans, you know, real soccer fans can appreciate. It was totally frustrating. Uh, but how many times did they come close to scoring? And how many times did they reach back and try again to bring the ball up and do the various things that they do? I thought it was a very well-played game. Salt Lake made a clear decision to bunker in, but that's what teams, lesser teams on the road do. And um, as a friend of mine said, who uh, this was his first Rev game this year, he said, you know, it's interesting. There are no more bums in the league. You know, you look around at the 22 players that are on the field. There aren't many, if any, players that don't really deserve to be there. Now, we can make some, you know, bring up some individuals that we might feel differently. But the fact is the overall level of the players has risen. And so, uh, you know, if players decide to, if a coach decides to bunker down a game, they can do it. Well, now I, the problem is you got to break it down. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. And you know, certainly last night it was not a boring 0-0 draw that uh, certainly soccer critics like to like to bring up all the time that there's 0-0 in soccer. Certainly show there that 0-0 does not mean it's not an exciting game. No, and I think, in fact, pretty much everybody left the stadium exhausted because we were on you know on our toes the entire waiting 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 for that goal that almost came you know what probably 10 times um you know that's an exciting game and coming up we won't be on the air next week so uh looking ahead to two weeks from now we mentioned the revs did have a break uh next weekend but in two weeks they do face the columbus crew currently losing the chicago fire uh you did mention columbus did bring in benefit from uh the designated player will bring in a player from argentina Barcelona, yeah uh, I, would, I, would, I would say to anybody listening, if there's one game and one player you want to go see who is a true artist, go to the Columbus game and watch Guillermo Barros y Charlotto. He is one of the greatest players in the history of Boca Junior. He's Boca Juniors in Argentina. He's still got it. And if you want to watch smart soccer that's very, very different from what you're used to with the English Premier League of players running up and down until they drop dead, uh, he's it. He's a, he's, a, he's a true artist. And we saw with Salt Lake uh, that they were playing for the draw. Uh, Columbus is a team in a similar situation point-wise. Uh, do you expect similar play from them, or are they going to be a team that's going to be going out there for the win? I don't know. I think it's a question. I think it's a question of, of, of the sort of the morale of the team and, and, and what their uh, you know what they're feeling they need to do for their identity because they've had they've had a rough few years. You know, a couple of years ago, three years ago, they were they were touted to be the best team in the league and they fell apart that year and they really haven't been that that effective since. But on the other hand, they do have some 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 stylish and good players in their in their lineup. So uh, that's going to be uh, hard to see. Of course, one of the one of the hearts of their team, uh, uh, Hey Dude, is, I guess won't be there because he'll be he'll be with the Gold Cup unless he doesn't play that day. So uh, they, you know they may have to bunker in. And speaking about Columbus, uh, they actually did just tie it up with Chicago Fire with uh, Duncan Oten scoring off of a assist from none other than Guillermo Barros Scaloto there. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, that assist could be anything from uh, him drawing a red card against another player to uh, standing in front of the referee so he didn't see something. To, I mean, the guy is, is a true uh, soccer genius. 
uh, I can't give them, I can't give them enough credit. And if you want, as I say, if if people want to watch soccer played with the brain, uh, watch him. Well, I'd like to thank you again for joining us today. And uh, before I let you go, uh, what do you have up and coming for us on RevsNet? And uh, can you talk actually a little bit about RevsNet itself? Well, RevsNet is 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 uh, you know essentially an electronic fanzine. We try to cover uh, the revolution. We have we have uh, a couple of writers who who write about uh, the games from from week to week. Uh, I write a column called A View from the Fort, where uh, I try to interview different people involved with the team, players, coaches, uh, people in management, and so forth, and also try to sort of comment on on, on the team in relation to, to kind of the world game, uh, because that's that's my interest. I. I grew up uh you know watching the patriots when they were struggling in the 60s to sort of make their identity and to me the revolution are very similar to that now uh and so it's just interesting watching mls develop in relation to the world game and that's that's my my connection with it well thanks again for joining us today my pleasure Again, that was uh, Jim Dow of RevsNet.com here today, joined by Dave Ackman in the studio. I'm Sean Donnie. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back to uh, discuss the upcoming Gold Cup uh, that will feature two uh, nights of soccer right here in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Again, joined here by Dave Ackman in the studio. And uh, earlier, early, a little bit earlier before the break, we had Jim Dow from ResNet.com discussing uh, last night's match and uh, the Rev's upcoming matches as well. Uh, talking about the Gold Cup, the Gold Cup coming up here. The first game for the U.S. is actually on Thursday, June 7th, uh, this week, actually. Uh, the U.S. has a group with Trinidad and Tobago, Guatemala, El Salvador. Uh, n- not too hard of a group for the U.S., to be, in all honesty. The first match against Guatemala uh, may be the best team that they'll be facing, uh, seeing as Trinidad and Tobago uh, will not have the players that played in the World Cup due to them being on strike uh, over the contract. Yeah, definitely. I think losing uh, the first team from Trinidad and Tobago will be a real letdown to that group. Uh, with them in there, I think it was really a three-team uh, battle. Now it seems like it's just going to be USA and Guatemala for the top seed. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effort the second team from Trinidad and Tobago brings. And El Salvador is always a little crafty little team, so you can't really expect them to just go away blindly. But it's going to really be a two-team race, it seems like. And Guatemala does have some familiar faces with uh, Carlos Ruiz, who's always been a dangerous player we've seen against the Revs. 
uh, it'll be a really tough guy for the U.S. to contain. It's certainly a crafty player from them. Yeah, definitely. And especially if you haven't played against him, I think if you look at a lot of the uh, U.S. defenders, they sort of have all his little tricks and trades down. But uh, coming in from a different country, it's going to be maybe a game or two for all the uh, U.S. Uh, foreign-based players to pick up all his little tricks. And uh, speaking of the U.S., we haven't even mentioned it yet, that they did have a game actually last night around the same time as the Revolution game, uh, in which they came away with a 4-1 to victory over China. Uh, Clint Dempsey scoring, Aguchi Anyewu scoring, Demarcus Beasley scoring, um, Benny Filiber scoring his first goal for uh, the U.S. national team. So uh, a good preparation match for for the U.S., considering they were missing several key players who were playing MLS matches, including a guy like Eddie Johnson, who's been on fire recently, and Landon Donovan and Taylor Twelman, and the other two Revs players, Ralston and Michael Parkhurst. Definitely, and uh, getting a goal from Beasley is always important. Also, uh, seeing Gucci uh, back in good form again after his season over in England is always important. So I think that's a great warm-up game. China's, uh, you know, maybe not top-quality competition, but, you know, getting four goals is always important for a team going into a big tournament. And as you mentioned, the Revs, I mean, the U.S. national team's first game is at uh, the Home Depot Center, and that is on Thursday against Guatemala, followed up just by two days later uh, against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, should they win the first match, I'd say they're good chance of winning the group. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago will be interesting to see how their side does. Obviously, it'll be a side that's motivated to keep their spots uh, for when those players do come back, uh, should they come back, actually, how, depending on how this negotiation goes. Uh, and then following up, the match in Foxborough on Tuesday, June 12th against El Salvador. That should be an excellent game, doubleheader with the match against Trinidad and Guatemala as well. Um, really looking at the group, I see no reason why the U.S. should not win it. I can't see a reason they they shouldn't win it. I mean, if they get a little bit unlucky, maybe seconds. Uh, I don't think there's any way they slip into that pool of uh, third-place teams. And unless they do happen to slip into third, uh, they will be playing their quarterfinal match on June 16th as part of a triple header with the, uh, another quarterfinal match uh, in the Revolution match that we mentioned against Columbus. So certainly a great night of soccer uh, for the fans to go out there and see three great matches. Yeah, definitely not just a great night. It's a whole it's a whole day's worth. Uh, you know, those are always interesting days, and I think it's going to be a great a great atmosphere, especially when you bring in all the international fans too. And looking forward at the uh, rest of the groups. Chicago, the uh, Group A features Costa Rica, Haiti, Canada, Guadalupe. Uh, Costa Rica, I, I guess, would be the favorite in that group. Canada is bringing a pretty strong squad themselves. If you look at some of the players and what they've done for Toronto, uh, so that should be an interesting group to watch. Certainly, the group with uh, no no very clear favorite like the U.S. and Mexico and the other two groups. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with Canada now really having a great form hold on the uh, Eastern Conference with uh, Toronto. I mean, not a great form hold, but having a great representation in there. It's going to be good practice for them leading into this tournament. And then Group C is Mexico, Panama, Honduras, and Cuba. Uh, obviously, Mexico a clear fa- favorite. They're bringing a very strong squad featuring Marquez from Barcelona, uh, Blanco, who we mentioned earlier in the show, who will be with uh, who actually be delayed his, t- his time coming to Chicago because of the Gold Cup. Uh, so they, sh- they should be basically the U.S.'s main competition throughout the tournament as far as winning the overall tournament. I think you always got to put Mexico and U.S. at the top of this tournament. But uh, there's lots of different surprises. I mean, even teams like uh, Honduras can give uh, anyone a, a fight on a good night. And we can't forget the last competition where uh, Panama actually finished up in the final and took the U.S. to penalty kicks. Uh, so you can never count anybody out. No, definitely. In competitions like this, it's always just one lucky break. we got to wrap things up here. And again, uh, the next Revolution home match does happen to be two weeks from today. We're not at two weeks from yesterday. Uh, we will not be on next week due to the Revs having no match. Uh, there will be another match at Gillette Stadium, the Gold Cup that we mentioned, that will be on Tuesday, June 12th. 
a doubleheader there starting at 7 p.m., uh, followed up by the game on Saturday featuring the Revs and the Columbus crew, uh, as well as two quarterfinal matches. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I'd like to thank Dave Ackman for joining me in studio, uh, Jim Dow for joining us early in the show. Uh, we'll be back on in two weeks on Sunday, June 17th. Years of service to the Blackstone Valley. This is WNRI Woonsocket.